It's time for the Retire ASAP podcast. Here's your host, Taylor Fike. Welcome to the Retire ASAP show, where our goal is to get you free from work as soon as possible. My name's Taylor Fike, and with me I have... Brad Fike. He just loves having a microphone, I gotta say that. Welcome, welcome, welcome. A couple weeks ago, we just wrapped up our series on the Retire ASAP process, and now we're jumping into a timely series about everyone's favorite topic tax planning. No one likes taxes. I guess some people like taxes. Most business owners don't like taxes because it's usually how much you have to pay. A lot of individuals like taxes because they usually get money back. But today, what we're going to talk about is a couple of different things. But for the next two uh, episodes after this, so three episodes in total, today and the next two episodes, we're going to be talking about different tax topics. Now, I want to kind of set the stage for all of you listeners. We're not tax advisors. We're not CPAs. We don't prepare taxes in our offices. We don't do any of that stuff. Um, We leave that to the major professionals who are up to date on all the code. What we do have experience in is all this investment stuff that has to do with taxes. So while we aren't going to give any specific tax advice here on our podcast today, what I want you to know is that we have our hand in a lot of different stuff when it comes to investments and how they're taxed and how those things work as a part of financial planning. So we do have some experience, but just not something where you need to look at our uh, conversation today and take that as actual advice. What you really need to be focusing on is these are general principles for everybody. Now, they may apply to you, they may not. So make sure, as we do our normal disclaimer on this podcast, you need to talk to your financial professional, whether it's your financial advisor, your tax advisor, your legal advisor, before you make any decisions with your own stuff. This is all for educational purposes. So with that out of the way, Brad, what's your favorite part about taxes? Well, I don't think there's really anything there. It's an interesting time because what happens is that we go all year, we live a, a great uh, life of uh, spending money or following our budgets, which by the way, I haven't done. Uh, but you follow your budget and you live your little life all year long. And then at the end of the year, you have to go fess up about how much you made. Then you look back and you go, what did I do with all that money? So it's an interesting time with right now because you go, I made money last year, but I don't have any in my pocket, it seems like. So... That's the big thing. And then if you're a business owner, not only do you have to fess up if you made a little bit more, you probably made quarterly estimates in for the year. And if you made a little bit more and you made the year before, you owe money for last year and you owe your first quarter by April 15th. So it's like a double whammy. It's very depressing. So moral of the story is don't own a business, I guess. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Oh, no. There's way too much freedom to being a business owner. That's true. I don't think we'd give it up here, but you're right. I think for different types of people in different tax situations, this is either the best time of the year where you get a couple hundred or a couple thousand dollars back because you got all these fancy deductions and you've been withholding taxes from your paycheck all year long and you're just getting this influx of income that you didn't really expect. Or it's the worst time of the year because you made more money than you thought you were going to make. You didn't prepay enough into the system and you have this big old tax bill that's looming from 2019 as well as the beginning of the new tax bill for your estimates for 2020. Those can all really quickly add up. I know I sat down with our tax guy, uh, Brad and I, we, we just met with uh, our guy last week and we were calculating and adding up all of our income. And I looked at that sheet probably 10 or 15 times going, if I made that much, where did it all go? 
Isn't that always the question? Just, where does all my money go? Because I know I've done lots of different budgeting things with clients, but my wife, Tori, and I, we've done lots of budgeting stuff ourselves, and it never ceases to amaze me how when I get to the end of my budget, how it tells me I should have three, four, five hundred $500 left each month based off of what we're spending, and yet every month, I never seem to be able to find that three, four, five hundred dollars It's, $500. But I, you know, it's all because of overspending in certain budget areas, but you just look at this, you go, where does all of our money go? Yeah. I mean, that's uh, very typical. And then, and then, you know, you mentioned that when people get refunds in the spring after they get their taxes done, they're excited to get them done. You know, that's not free money. That means you overpaid your taxes last year. Uncle Sam got to use your money until you file your taxes and you get a refund. And we have, this is an ongoing conversation here with clients because they, they like refunds. Everybody likes to get that check back. So I always remind them, you know, you gave them money. They're just giving you some of it back. So just keep that in mind. We had a client come in one time who didn't make much money and actually did not pay any taxes in and wondered why they didn't get a refund. And I said, do you realize what a refund is? And they go, well, during my working years, I used to get a refund. I don't get one now. Now they're living in a very low income situation. But the point was that you didn't pay any taxes in, so you're not going to get anything back. It isn't like, oh, here's a check for you since, you know, it is the end of the year. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, I think so. I'm 27, so I'm on a little bit of the younger end of the spectrum when it comes to this, this young, type of stuff. Young, 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 I'm just a kid. But here's the funny thing is that I didn't know anything about taxes until I got to college when I had to study accounting. And that was what my major was in college. It amazed me because I worked at a job in high school. If you're from our area, I worked at Acres of Fun, which as an employee is not nearly as much fun as what the kids have. It's one of those places that has, you know, the play area, the game zone, laser tag, go-karts, all that stuff. As an employee, it is not acres of fun. It's acres of torture. But anyway, that's beside the point. The real thing is I worked a high school job and I paid all these taxes in. And I would get a refund for a couple hundred bucks at the, you know, the end of the year. And I'd just be so excited about that. But same thing. I never knew where it came from. I always thought, wow, this is a check that you get anytime you're working. You always get money back from the government. They're so <laughs> nice to us. It wasn't until I made it through my accounting classes and my tax classes where I was like, wait a second. What I'm doing is I'm paying this money into the account for the government to use is, you know, prepaying my taxes. But then if I overpay my taxes, they just give me my money back. Now, here's the funny thing, though. I also studied that if you don't pay your taxes and you miss, if you know, you get to the end of the year and you haven't paid enough, they charge you interest for the months that you haven't paid your bill yet. Dun, 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 dun. So wait a second. What you're telling me is if I prepay my taxes and I overpay the government, they just give me my money back with no interest. But if I miss paying my taxes, I owe them my money plus interest for the months that I haven't paid. This is a raw deal, I think. Bingo. So this is just my theory about taxes. I don't know what I think. Honestly, maybe the simplest idea for all Americans would just be a nice flat tax. Good old 10 percent or 15 or 20, whatever it is, just one flat tax so that we could all understand it. The only problem is that would cause just absolute chaos in the entire financial world. Oh, it would. And I like the flat tax idea. What I don't like is the socialism idea where you're going to pay a boatload of taxes when it all when it all pans out when you start giving stuff away so we won't go there today but i could yeah. go there someday we could make a political series a, a political podcast but i don't know if that's what we want to do here because i think we might have some listeners on both sides of the aisle and 
that's okay. What you know, there's pros and cons to anything. I know that not everyone agrees with social. That seems to be kind of the hot topic since we're in an election cycle, and a lot of that has to do with some of the tax stuff we're talking about. Even now, there's pros and cons of tax cuts for businesses like what we're dealing with in the current time frame. So, yeah, it, you never really know. I I think um, in the end, here's what I always say. I say, you know, what? I'm all about paying my fair share, just as long as everybody else is too. And I think the problem yep. with taxes is that everyone feels like their fair share isn't as fair as everybody else's <laughs> fair share. And I think, and I think the problem is, is that that's such a moving target that that's actually true, depending on where you're at. Well, my theory on the flat tax is that if I make 5,000 a year, let's use an example, flat tax at 14%. If I'm making 5,000 a year, I'm paying 14% tax. If I make 2 million a year, I'm paying 14% tax. It costs me 14% of my income, no matter what it is, to drive on the roads, the bridges, and the things that the government maintains. Why does a guy have to, if I don't make enough, I don't pay anything, to drive on that same bridge that I drive on, or if he makes a lot, some guy makes a ton of money and he's got to pay a lot more to drive over the same bridge. I like the flat tax. It's fair. It's the most fair there is. Right. Well, in this situation we have now, we have normal people paying 20 something percent. If you have just over a six figure income in most families, you're paying close to 20% in your taxes and your, in your top bracket. And then you have hedge fund managers who are raking in multiple millions of dollars who are paying a flat 11% because of the rules of the way that the tax system set up. And yeah, I think we need a, to look into that and become hedge fund managers. Maybe you know? I like maybe, that tax bracket. I'm telling you, it's way lower than the one we're in as financial advisors. I can tell you that much, but that's just the thing. So we're getting off topic here talking about different stuff with taxes, but in general, taxes are very confusing. They're very frustrating and they can be a good thing if you're getting a refund, but they can also be a very just random thing when you're trying to figure out where is this coming from? How do I get there? And things like that. So what we want to talk about today, I know we've been on our little rabbit trail here, but what we really want to talk about is a different type of investments that you can have that and how they relate to taxes. So really the most common three types of accounts that we work with in our office tax wise is you're going to have Roth investments, traditional investments, and then you'll have non-qualified investments or just taxable investments. And so we want to talk about each one of those and what kind of the benefits are and the pros and the cons. Maybe you're already in one of these. Maybe you need to move from one of these to another one of these just to make sure. Or maybe you need to start saving in a different one of these to start planning for tax purposes in your retirement, things of that nature. So Brad, tell me a little bit about probably the most popular one in the news media in the last 10, 15, 20 years. Talk about Roth investments. Well, Roth IRAs are an awesome tool, and uh, we use them a lot. Unfortunately, people in my age brackets and older don't have a lot of money in Roth. Some some don't. Some do. But it, it started later in our lives, so we didn't really have the time to start in our 20s to feed the Roths. But a Roth is basically putting after-tax dollars away. So you're getting taxed on your money. You're putting it into an account. You do have limits, and uh, we can go a little bit into that, but you're going to have limits of what you can put into a Roth each year. But the beauty of the Roth is I'm not getting a tax deduction today, but it's going to grow tax-free as long as I leave it in there at least five years or till after 50, age 59 and a half. So the Roth is a beautiful tool for retirement planning. 
Right. So basically, and this gets into a lot of the stuff that we probably talked a little bit about in our entire ASAP process on the planning side. If you can have tax-free income in retirement, it opens the window for a lot of creative planning. We can lower the amount of your social security that is potentially taxable. We can lower potential Medicare costs, or we can lower health insurance costs before you qualify for Medicare with lower taxable income. So Roths become this very interesting tool, but you have to plan around it because there's lots of different things to think about. About. Yes, you are prepaying your taxes, which means you're paying your taxes now on a, an account that you're not going to use for years and years down the road. So in some cases, like right now in this current tax time frame, it's a good move. Tax rates are fairly low for the brackets that you're in compared to historical rates. And with our debt rising and things going up in nature, I'm going to guess that our next uh, whoever elected official would be is going to have to raise taxes to keep up with our spending needs. And so if that's the case, right now is the time to prepay your taxes because down the road they might just be higher than what they are now. Now we can't guarantee that, but. I'm willing to put a pretty good bet on it to say that we should have some tax-free retirement money into a Roth as soon as possible in that case because we can benefit from that today. But Roth investments are really good in that way. We want to have some sort of tax-free income for retirement planning. Agree. And there is a couple caveats with uh, Roth IRAs is if you're making too much money, there is a phase out and then you can't add to them. But we have, in our financial world, tricky little ways to backdoor into those Roth accounts. So completely, completely. That's a whole nother subject, really. All completely legal ways, too. They, Absolutely. They're built into the system on purpose. And there there are some things you have to really qualify for in that case. So these these backdoor Roth contributions, they make a lot of sense for high earners. You know, there's a phase-out limit if you're on the high end of the earning scale, close to $200,000. It's a little bit less than that, but somewhere around the high high $100,000 of earnings, you can't contribute directly to a Roth, but you can do that backdoor option. The only thing is you got to be careful because if you already have a different type of investment, like a traditional IRA, you have to be careful what you convert because there is going to be some taxable amounts and there isn't a ratio of how you can do that. And you could end up being in a bigger tax situation than what you planned on if you don't plan correctly. But yeah. it is a very valuable tool for some of our high and earners. complicated. So it's not something you attempt on your own. You, you really need advice on that. You do. You need a tax person. You need a financial advisor. You need someone who knows what they're talking about if you're going to do something like that. Or you just need to do a lot of reading. There is a lot of information on the internet. You just got to be careful because believe it or not, I know this is probably news to a lot of people. Everything on the internet is not true. What? There are people what? out there who write fake stuff on the internet. Just terrible people. Oh, well, I got a problem then. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I made some decisions based on what I read in the internet the other day for myself. Oh, gosh. I might, I might have made some big mistakes then. Well, guys, Brad has been reading the Facebook ju- junk news articles and making decisions. Here we uh, go. We'll keep you posted on how bad it really was. Well, it was an ad in my email, and it said, you know, all this glorious stuff. And so I, I thought, yeah, that sounds really good. I'm going to jump all over it because... It's real. It has to be true. Oh Nobody boy. lie. Considering some of the spam email I got, I sure hope it's not what I'm thinking that Brad clicked on. Well, I'm not going to disclose today. <laughs> so back off of our rabbit trail here, back into the tax world. Um, uh, this Roths, should be called the digressing 
information channel. <laughs> it really is. I mean, honestly, though, if anybody has ever worked with us, if you're a client listening to this, which we have a few clients listening to this, if you're a client, you know this is how Brad and I communicate anyway. Just rabbit trails and tangents and all kinds of fun stuff. And then we get some information out every once in a while. But Usually by the end, we do. Usually by the end, we got at least enough information for you to process. But either way, so that's kind of the Roth investment side of things. So it's a really good planning tool. It doesn't make sense for everybody, but the younger you are, the more benefit it is to get into a Roth because that means you have longer for it to grow. And if you're in an investment account for 30, 40, 50 years throughout, you know, if you start in your 20s, you will amass a large amount of that investment account in growth and returns, which means all of that is tax-free growth, which is a huge tax benefit. So that's kind of the idea of Roths. Now, the more common investment option out there, now this is something that most people are in. This is the traditional side of things. This is a traditional IRA, traditional 401k. These are tax deferred products. You may have a traditional investment in some sort of annuity. Either way, these are tax deferred products. So tell me a little bit about traditional uh, investments, Brad. So traditional IRA is we're not, it's pre-tax money. So that means it's not been taxed. So we're going to be able to take our contribution each year and put it into a traditional IRA, deduct it off our income today. But we, in essence, are creating what I call a tax time bomb. Because what we're doing is we're deducting it today. We're not claiming that income, at least, you know, for the six or $7,000 that we can put in there each year. And then over time, it's going to grow without paying any taxes on it. But the day I want to pull it out, Uncle Sam is knocking at the door. Mm. And that has created now a giant pile of untaxed money. 401k does the same thing. And I'm not saying this is negative. There's extreme positives to it. And I think it's part of the planning process as to which ones do you use and how much to use. But a traditional IRA is we're just deferring the taxes on today's income until we decide to pull it out at a later date. So kind of in the opposite fashion of a Roth, if yes. we're if we're in high tax rate times where, you know, back in the day, and I don't know what time frames these were, but at some point, you know, some of the top tax brackets were in the 70 and 80 percent taxes. Yeah. And so that's a crazy amount of tax. That's when a traditional investment makes a lot of sense because you don't have to pay the 70, 80 percent now, maybe 20 years down the road after that. Hopefully. When, yeah, hopefully when tax rates would go back down, you would be able to benefit benefit from that. But again, it's a gamble. We don't know what future tax rates are going to be because that all depends on who's in office, what Congress wants to do, what kind of budget situation we're in as a country, all those different things. But in the grand scheme of things, you can kind of eyeball and see, are we in a low tax rate environment, high tax rate environment, or somewhere in the middle? And that's kind of where we talk a lot about that stuff. Also, as well, the phase-out rates for a traditional IRA are a lot higher than what um, the Roth IRA are. So for those high earners, you may fall into a place where you can't contribute to a Roth IRA, but you might be able to throw into a traditional IRA. Another thing that you may want to think about, and we'll talk about this in future episodes, and we have actually talked about in past episodes, Roth conversions have to come from a traditional IRA. Money goes into a traditional IRA investment, then you can convert it over to a Roth. Those types of things are all part of a planning process, but you have to have some sort of traditional investment to be able to do anything like that. And again, very specific situation for those clients because it's a highly complicated decision to make. Moving from one of these vehicles to another is a huge tax decision, in some cases not even worth it. 
to do. But in some cases it is, and it makes a, a lot of sense for a lot of people. So with this traditional idea, we're deferring the taxes, we're pushing them out further, which is kind of a nice thing, especially if you're making more income now than you plan on making in retirement. So in your experience, Brad, most people have an investment like this, don't they? Yeah. And it's if you look at a traditional IRA, your 401k, in essence, it is triple compounding. So I have my money. It's earning interest or growth in a, if it's in an investment account. So I'm not paying tax on that growth. And since I'm not paying any tax out each year, then that money that I normally would have paid to Uncle Sam is also earning interest or earnings in an investment account. So it's a triple compounding effect. And uh, let's say I put it into a savings account or a CD or something like that. Whether I take that interest out of that savings account or CD, I still have to claim the interest each year. So I'm, I got to pay tax on that interest. So I'm losing the gain or the ability to earn on that money I'm paying Uncle Sam in tax. So the triple compounding fact is I put, let's say I put 6,000 in, it earns $500. Those earnings are tax deferred. They're deferred to a later date. And the the tax I would have paid on that 500 is also deferred to a later date. And I don't have to pay that. So it's a triple compounding effect. So it's not a bad thing. Right. No, it's definitely not a bad thing. And I think the biggest issue that we run into with traditional investments, and it's not for the person who has the account. I think the biggest issue we run into with traditional investments are for the beneficiaries of the next generation for these accounts. Ooh. When your parents or your grandparents pass away and they leave you money that's in a traditional IRA or left over in some sort of tax deferred item, it creates a little bit of a complicated mess as to how you handle that because... Uncle Sam does not miss out on taxes, not on investments and traditional investments because that's where a ton of money is. So what do they do? They force the beneficiaries to pay the taxes when they disperse it. Now, there's different options of how you can do that. We're going to talk about those disbursements in another episode in this tax planning series, but that's something to be aware of. If you want to do future planning, say you have lots and lots of assets and you know you're going to leave some to your kids or to your grandkids or somewhere in your family, some of the best ways to do that is to plan around that and maybe move some of that traditional money into a different type of investment to make sure that it's a simple and clean cut move. Pay your taxes now so your beneficiaries don't have to pay them later. But that doesn't fit for everybody. We have one more account to talk about. But before we go on, I'm going to take a pause and a break for this segment here. Over half of Americans are overwhelmed with anxiety, wondering when or if they will ever be able to retire. At Fike Advisors, we build a customized retirement plan. We call it our Retire ASAP plan, and we help you carry it out so you can put your mind at ease and focus on the things that matter most to you and your family. If you need help with your retirement plan, if you don't have a retirement plan or you're looking for an advisor, go to our website, retireasapshow.com. That's retireasapshow.com and click the schedule now button in the top corner. That is your best way to get in contact with us because you can schedule a free 20 minute conversation with me or Brad and we can talk about how we can get you retired as soon as possible. That's retireasapshow.com, retireasapshow.com and click the schedule now button today. And we're back. Non-qualified investments, taxable investments is how some people would call them. Tell me a little bit about that, Brad, because these are kind of confusing. Lots of people ask questions about, well, what, what does it mean to be non-qualified? Well, the term non-qualified comes from the fact that it's not 
qualified under some kind of tax code. So it's just money that we've saved. It can be a personal account. It can be a joint account between a husband and a wife or actually a joint account between anybody. Mm-hmm. I've done joint accounts with four people, I think probably the most I ever do them with, but I've, I've done multiple four person uh, joint accounts. So what a joint account individual account are non-qualified accounts because you're not getting any kind of tax break from Uncle Sam. You're not deducting anything and you're paying the taxes as you go every year. So if you're an investment account, you're going to have capital gains and dividends each year that you're going to pay and have to claim and pay tax on each year. So you're not getting that compounding effect or deferment on those. There's nothing wrong with it. The beauty of a personal account, a joint account, or what we would classify as a non-qualified account is that there is no tax on it. So if we get into the non-qualified personal accounts, these joint accounts, you have full liquidity. So there's no rule that says you have to hold it for five years, hold it till age 59 and a half, no tax penalties. You can put it in, take it out anytime you like. Yeah. Now you do have to worry about some things. Now there is capital gains and dividends throughout the year. If you do any sort of trading or rebalancing in your account, there's always going to be dividends, but there's also something to worry about in the long-term capital gains. And these are gains that you only realize when you sell off the investments that you have in there. And so some accounts, if you're like in a savings account with a bank, you don't have to worry about any of this because there's no long-term capital gains. But if you're in a mutual fund of some sort and you've had it for 25, 30 years, there could be a large bulk of that that has been gained in that account that hasn't been realized as a gain. And so when you would draw money out of there, there may be some sort of taxable amount there that uh, you may have to realize. But again, very simple in how these work. These are not a highly complicated investment like the other retirement accounts like Roths or traditionals. These are very simple in, in a lot of ways. You pay taxes on what you earn. If you earn it and you take it out, you pay taxes on it. That's how it is. Now, the nice thing is currently the way the tax code set up, there is a little bit of a benefit on capital gains tax. Who knows if that'll be there down the road? Currently, it is written into there at a lower tax rate than what your income is taxed at, but it is kind of a cool investment. We do this a lot. I'll tell you, the best place for one of these is college accounts for your kids. Now, I know a lot of people will encourage you to do a 529 plan because there's lots of tax benefits to something like that for kids' college funds. Some. There's some, I should say some, maybe not lots. There are some tax benefits. The nice thing about a non-qualified account for your child, you could do a custodial account like a UTMA or something along those lines. You could do an account like that. It has far more flexibility in it. If your child chooses to go to trade school and doesn't spend their entire college fund or your child chooses not to go to college at all, they can still use that money without any penalty. They just have to worry about paying capital gains tax if they fall in one of those gains brackets. It's a way more flexible idea for kids, especially ones where, you know, you're starting at age one or two, how would you ever know if they're actually going to go to college? Yeah. And I think the other, that's a great point. And another point would be annuities. So if you have a non-qualified annuity, so an annuity is a contract with an insurance company and they usually pay a fixed interest or they pay interest based on some kind of uh, stock index. But uh, what happens is if I buy a non-qualified annuity, it works similarly to a IRA. So I'm going to put after-tax money into a non-qualified annuity. Say it's $10,000. And over 20 years, it grows to $20,000. 
I'm not paying any tax on that. I paid tax on the initial money, but I'm not paying tax on that growth. There's 10,000 of growth that's built up in there. But when I take it out, I got to pay tax on the gain in that thing. So it is a tax time bomb like an IRA, but it's not qualified by the IRS because the money going into it is after tax money. Does that make sense to you? I mean, yeah, it's it's a little bit more confusing on the annuity side, but it does make a lot of sense. You you have to be careful. There's certain types of non-qualified accounts that aren't as simple as they may look on the outside. And annuities, and if you ever talk to us in our office, annuities are one of those things where in some cases they make sense for clients, but I would say they are not the one size fits all like everyone likes to sell them. You have to be careful when you're getting into them. Their non-qualified experience is way different than a regular investment account or owning you know, individual stocks. Individual stocks are actually considered in most cases, unless they're held in a certain type of account, are considered non-qualified investments. And so these types of things, you got to be careful in who you're talking to and make sure that you have a trustworthy advisor that has your best interest in mind, hopefully a fiduciary who legally is obligated to give you advice that's in your best interest, not in their own. Those types of things are very important because some of this stuff can get complicated. But in general, the idea is in these non-qualified accounts is that you're paying the tax as you go and there may be some long-term capital gains at a lower tax rate than what you're used to, but they're very simple in, in nature. So And remember that on these tax-deferred products, traditional IRA and non-qualified annuities or 401ks, you're deferring the tax. You're going to owe the tax when you pull the money out. Your beneficiaries are going to owe tax on that money when they receive it if you predecease using all those assets up. So they're going to pay tax based on their tax bracket. So the difference between, and one of the big points I use in a non-qualified account, personal account, joint account, whatever. If I put it into an annuity or I put it into an investment account, there's a huge difference when it goes to the next generation because the tax on an annuity is taxed as income currently, which is quite a bit higher than capital gains, which would be an investment account. So again, talk to your advisor about that and question that because rarely do annuity guys bring up the fact that, Oh, there's, by the way, whenever you pass away, there's income tax to your beneficiaries and they cannot escape that. It's very difficult. So, and, but in a investment account, the cost basis will step up. And I'm not going to go too deep into that, but there's virtually very little tax when you pass it to the next generation. So it's a that's another really big piece to that. That's a huge benefit. You're working with a family right now. We won't go into too much detail, but you're working with a family right now where the father has passed away recently and he had a ton of traditional investment, a ton of non-qualified annuity investment. A lot of this stuff where things have been accumulating these massive amounts of tax taxes. And these are tough conversations to have with the next generation because they got to decide, do I want to eat these taxes right away? Do I want to spread this out over years? What do I do to benefit the most? And so good quality planning would set up some of these things um, along the way to say, look, this is some of the things that you have to worry about and things. And here's how we can offset some of these taxes. Here's some you know, different life insurance ideas or things of that nature that can offset some of these tax bills that are going to come to them. It requires a ton of planning. And a lot of people, if you don't do 
this, you create a bigger mess for your beneficiaries than you know. Again, we'll talk about this in our in another week on, on this series, but this is something that is a big deal when you're choosing the type of investment account you're doing. You got to think more than just the next year. You got to think 5, 10, 50 years down the road. What is this money going to be doing for you and your family? Right. And so an overview of what we just talked about, Roth IRA is I'm not saving taxes today, but I'm going to later in life down the road. Traditional IRA is I'm saving taxes today, but I'm going to pay later. And a non-qualified account, which is a personal account, whether it's savings or investment or a joint account, whether it's savings or investment, I'm going to pay as I go. So there's really all three of them have a place. It's just where where that fits into your particular situation. Right. And in our retire ASAP process, we like to have a little bit in every one of those buckets because that gives us a lot of flexibility in our planning. If we have a client that has Roth money, traditional money, and non-qualified money, that allows us to be creative and say, okay, this year we're going to take it from this account for this tax reason. This year we're going to take it from this account for a different tax reason. It allows for a lot of flexibility. I just thought about that word flexibility. Oh boy. While you're finishing up here a little bit, I'm going to go over and do some yoga. Oh boy, back to his back to his yoga stuff. I sure hope this isn't a theme. <laughs> I'll tell you what, when you turn 60, this this doesn't work as easy. Oh jeez. Okay, I better wait till afterwards cuz you guys can probably hear me over here stretching. Oh gosh. All right. Well, we should end on that note before things get way too weird in here, but anyway, tax planning side of things, we definitely need to know the difference between our tax accounts. Brad did a good job summarizing that. If you have questions on this stuff, you can always give us a call at Fike Advisors. Our phone number is 330-264-1100. We'd be happy to sit down, do a free consultation, see if we can help you figure out some of this stuff and do some planning with you because that is a huge piece of how all this works. Now, uh, you can always uh, schedule an appointment. If you just want to do a phone call appointment, you can schedule that on our website. If you're at retireasapshow.com, there's a schedule now button in the top right corner. If you click that, it goes directly to our calendar where you can have access to us and schedule a 20-minute phone call for free where we can talk about some of these things that help see if we can give you the guidance you need to get yourself retired as soon as possible. So, thanks. Taylor, look at this. I can touch my toes. Oh, good. On, on that note, guys, have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Investment advisory services provided by Fike Advisors, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Please consult a professional before taking any action. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.